Okay, welcome to Game Dev Grip Podcast, episode number two. And our guest today is Spooktergeist. Spooktergeist, tell us about yourself from the realms of game design. Okay, in terms of game design, um, I, I've made a, like about 15 or so games in Game Maker back from like 2007 to around, I'd say around 2012, 2013 or so. But they're all gone now because all the websites they were on are wiped out. So, all right, because I want to talk about what what makes games making games so hard. So, in your case, it's just the websites you put them on get deleted. Oh no, I have like a million reasons why game re- game making is hard. Well, well, let's get to them. Let's discuss every single one. Go ahead. Oh, all right, um, where do where do we start? Because game game making is never freaking easy. It's never been easy, and it never will be easy. Okay, what's the? I, I asked the first guest, what were the landmines he walked into? What are the ones you've walked into in your games that exploded and caused you to, you know, not finish the game or have a hard time? Um, well, mostly when I work alone, it's um, it's just things like where I just kind of like start a game and I don't even know what I want to do with it. I just start, you know, on a whim and I don't plan anything out. And I, I'd say that's the biggest project killer for me. Is lack of focus? Yeah, because when I, when I do get focused, then yeah, I can do it. I know where I'm going. So, you know, the traditional thing, I'm not saying that's the right way, but the traditional way is to create a game design document, like this really, really long, detailed paper document that describes everything in your game that's going to happen. Have you ever tried doing something like that? Oh, yeah, I did that for um, Crypts of Kazarak, which is like one of the... It's, I'd say it's my best game out so far, but what, for everything else, I was like, you know, a little 13 year old. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't care about that. I'm just going to start and it'll come to me back so when I was an idiot. That can work for small games, right? You probably, did you ever try to do a game that was like, like a bigger game? Is that when it got you? Oh yeah. It got me when it was a bigger game, but you know, on small games and yeah, I could pop them out. Yeah, so I think that's when it really gets you. Like, you can have just the kind of throw it together workflow for smaller mm-hmm. projects, but when it's anything kind of big. So, and that's what I want to talk about on these things is that, like, there's stuff people don't tell you, or you, you read about making games. You know, I read all, all the books I can find, and there's stuff they don't mention. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to talk about. Like, is there stuff that you ran into that, say, you read some articles or trying to learn some things that, they didn't talk about that was just like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Was there any stuff like that that you ran into? Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff like that. So um, uh, a thing that was hard for me on some things was uh, like figuring, how, figuring out how to word. You know, like I go on a form like, oh, I want to ask, you know, how to do this thing, but I, I don't know how to word it because it's just so kind of like... Um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just not something that you can put into words easily. So it's like, it's not like, you know, like, oh, um, how do I do a screen shake? But then it's like, I didn't know the words for, you know, at the time, but I was like, oh, yeah, how do I do, you know, like pathfinding and shit? Can I explain this? Yeah, like when I first started learning stuff, I wanted to do an inventory system. And Mm -hmm. this guy was like, oh, just use a key value set. Use a, and I was like, key what? Oh, okay. Key value set. Search for that. Like nothing. And then he's like, oh, just use a hash table. And I was like, okay, hash tables. And I was trying to do it with hash tables. And then, yeah, but then you just go people, down the rabbit hole where you got to learn to do like 15 other things before you can do what you wanted to do. 
Yeah, well, well then I was asking other game des- developers, like, hey, how do I cash t- a hash table for my um, inventory? And they're like, why don't you just use a dictionary? And I was like, what? And then that guy meant to tell me dictionary because they're related, but he didn't. So then it was like two weeks of me trying to figure out hash table oh. like inventory. But So wanting to do something, but not really knowing what it's called that you're trying to do, therefore it's hard to f- get help for it. Yeah, and then you end up, you know, just going through like a maze. And then you get law, you get sidetracked, and then, ah. Uh... Yeah, and then my case, I'm like, ooh, this is cool. I should make something with that. Then I forget what I was doing before. Do you, have you ever done like the rapid prototyping approach for any of your projects? Oh, yeah, that, that's apparently what I was doing, you know, at the very start. How about with I, no art? Did you do with it with no art? art? Yeah, just uh, like boxes. Oh yeah, that's what I did a lot, usually. So I would usually do the game first, and then put in art. Okay, yeah. The, like the mechanics and the gameplay and all that stuff. Yeah. Because if I just start with the art, I'm just going to end up drawing like all day and then forget what I'm doing. Yeah, and also, like you'll fall in love with it and you might not even need it. So you just mm-hmm. waste all this time doing art. Like... So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you trying to, ch- if you're going to uh, approach future games, what would you do differently from what you did in the past? Oh, definitely um, do a design document. Definitely. So, um, uh, I saw this on a, some YouTube video. It's a the minimal viable product where it's, you know, just the very, very basics of what the game should be. I said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. I wish I had done that. Oh, I want to throw a controversial thing out there now. Oh. I'm going to – there's this thing I learned about just very recently. I'm going to post it in the chat, and I'll post it in the show notes. It's this old video by this guy who – I think he actually helped develop the PlayStation 3 or something. something, But it's called the Cerny Method. And this dude was like – because I figure you would probably like something like this. It's like, no, don't write a game design document. But learn about your game through his technique. So I posted the video, and I'll post it in the show notes. It's called the Cerny Method. I'm and, definitely um, going to check that out. Yeah, he talks about how creating a giant game design document wastes all this time because you don't even know what your game is yet. And mm-hmm. he goes through these different techniques to find out what your game is as soon as possible and test those parts so you don't like end up spending all this planning time and stuff. But hmm. So um, because uh, I felt... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go on. Oh, I was just saying, um, I read all the books and, you know, about like game design documents and all that stuff. But to me, it did feel weird because I wasn't even sure what my game was yet, you know, mm-hmm. to do all that. So um, I'm definitely going more towards the Mark Cerny method. So if, if you, anybody looks that thing up. So you just kind of discover your game through the parts that you're building as you're prototyping it. What um, what I do for it's not like a full design document, but I kind of like write down like inspiration. So I'll put like a list of games and then like elements from those games that I want. So it'd be like um, oh, okay um Metroid. Oh, okay, yeah, I like the way the maps are in Metroid. And then I'll put like you know like Metroid level design, and then you know go down the list with more games and different stuff. And then oh, if that I sounds good. Yeah, because I like having uh, references for what I like, and I'll even, you know, check out games I don't normally, you know, uh, play, 
like, I don't know, like simulator games or like business management games. I'll at least, you know, you know look at YouTube videos or something. I think that's a key word you said, because I know Spooktergeist, you're also an artist. And to do art or even animation, you need reference, right? So, yeah, why oh, not yeah, get definitely. reference for your game design? So that seems like a really good way to do stuff. So so let's say let's get an imaginary document for something you're going to do now. Is that what it looks like? Like, describe it, how you do it, just like that? Wait, are you showing me something? No, no, no. I just wondered, like, oh. <laughs> describe it to us, like, Metroid-level design, Dark Souls oh, yeah, that's, menu. Um... Like that's at the top of the list because it gives me like a, a focus of like what I want from a game because, um, you know, it's, there's that, you know, saying, Oh, you know, there's no original ideas, but, um, I like to, it goes back to how I coded game began making games. I'd like download sample projects and then, you know, put them together and like Frankenstein them into a working game. And so yeah, I figure I'd do good. the same thing, but, you know, with just, you know, systems and uh, play styles for other games. Yeah, and you can kind of see that in new games that come out, right? Like, this game has, like, Castlevania item systems with Dark Souls, blah, 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 right? I think, yeah, that, that seems like oh, you yeah, that's do a, that. Yeah, that's a, how, you know, we're classifying games now. Like, you know, they used to call them... Um, metroidvania games you know any games that's like kind of like that and now there's you know roguelikes and then i've, I've been hearing like souls like recently so how many different systems do you like break down like let's say okay metroid map and then what else like all the systems like how many would you go through and like note for reference just how however many um systems i need to like make a game to make a game that i want so it's always um, player controls, player systems, like inventory systems, menus, health, you know, stats and all that. Um, uh, things like um, AI, you know, like how do I want the, player, the uh, guys to move around and stuff. And then um, at the very end of all of the, uh, you know, the core elements, then I get into like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to have a, you know, an art style, you know, like this game or that game. And sometimes I don't even write down what, you know, what the uh, art or the mood I want it to be just yet. Yeah, I think I've seen a trend when I look at like game development forums, like I, a lot of the people are developers first. So but I've seen they're super stuck on the art and the look like mm -hmm. really early. And I think it's because they haven't like asserted themselves as artists. So like they kind of and it's like, yeah, I don't think you should put the art in too soon because you might not need it. But since you come from an art background and me, too, it's kind of like we know we we know we know how to make stuff look good. So we're not really <laughs> worried about it. Right. And oh, yeah, like, def definitely. Definitely. Um, I used to do uh, game jams back when I was in um, UAT, and they'd always stick me on the uh, art on the uh, art end. But at the same time, they wouldn't like trust my you know judgment, and they'd have and we'd spend like twelve hours of the twenty four hours just working on vision. Yeah, so it, it's kind of a trend I've seen where people are like, "Oh, look at this scene I made," and it's like. Dude, what are you doing? You don't even have a prototype yet, and you already have all this polished art. Like, I understand the vertical slice thing, but mm -hmm. it seems like, yeah, when you come from an art background, it's like, yeah, I know how to do that. So let me focus. This is just my perspective. Let me work really hard on the things I'm not sure I'm good at yet. Like, and another thing is, is that you know the the uh, visuals of your game is the first thing anybody's going to see of it before you know 
they even seen a single frame of animation or you know a single video of the gameplay. So yeah, everybody's always worried uh, about that uh, first impression. Yeah, it's a it's a slippery slope because it is super important, of course. But then you can make a game because I've seen games that look like made by designer people that look awesome, but the pl- gameplay is awful. So oh, I might for real self don't want to fall in that trap. Yeah, is and, your um, voice thing working okay, or is it dropping out? No, my I, I can hear you fine. Oh, okay. Just checking. I can delete this, erase part. So, um, what was the, so like, let's say if you did 15 game projects, what was the stuff that you thought was important about making a game on number one? And then like, what is the stuff that you think is important in making a game now? I'm sorry, wait, what? What was that? The, okay, so, the important so like, things? Okay, what stayed important? Yeah, like, like what I, did you think when you first started, and then what do you think is important now? So, um, okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, um, the first thing that was always important to me was um, is the, uh, the control. Like, you know, how does a player control, you know, move around? How does that feel? Because if, you know, you feel like you're, you're like walking around like a tank or something and uh, it doesn't fit, you know, with the kind of game, then it, then it just messes up. So it'd, like, it'd be like, you know, oh, you know, you're playing Mario 64, but you have like Resident Evil 1 controls where you have to like, you know, turn around and then you can go forward. Yeah. So I've always, um, I've always uh, worked on controls before I did anything else and I'd, uh, I'd make, you know, levels where, you know, the dude can like jump around or walk around and stuff. And I'd try everything to uh, make sure, you know, they didn't get stuck into walls and I try to break the game. Because um, early on in those, um, back on the Yo-Yo Games website, that's for a game maker. The controls were just awful. Like, they're, they're just bad. Like, you'd move and then if you stopped, your guy would like get stuck in the floor. I was like, man, how do you how do you put this online and say this is good enough to you know show people? And so, and that, what's changed? That, that's still how well, that's still what I look for in when I'm uh, starting games. Like, okay, how how's the player going to control? But at the very beginning, I was more interested into the visuals, like you said, and now that has you know recently been stripped away oh see that's what i wanted to get to because Mm. stripped away that's been my experience so far is that like i assume these things are important and then they get stripped away and each project strips more away and you're able to like see what a game really is like Mm -hmm. more and more with each one you do and like you know, I thought I was, I understood when I thought, oh, the game's about mechanics, like making mechanics work. And then it's like, no, it's not about the mechanics, really. It's how the player interacts with the mechanics, give and take, all this other stuff. So that strip away thing, that's what I, you know, because like, if there was anything I was trying to get to was like, if you could give advice to someone who's just starting, you know, as to what is really important, you know, from what we've learned from going through these projects. 
Mm, okay. So yeah, definitely visuals are should be around the like the last thing you should worry about about your game, unless somehow visuals do you know play in like oh okay you know this is based on you know like uh, casting shadows and staying in the darkness because it's like a stealth game or something's like oh, okay yeah focus on that. Yeah, I think there's also a, a negative loop that can happen. It's because, like, as you said, it's true. The visuals are very important. And if early in the development, people want to get online feedback, you know, they want to post it in different places and get upvotes or, you know, have people think they're cool, then mm-hmm. there's there's going to be an incentive to polish the visuals too early because you're trying to get positive feedback. Yeah, um, the thing is, um, I've never, like, at the beginning, I did, you know, like post uh, prototypes of games and stuff back on the uh, forums, but now I don't because um, I found is that people don't criticize um, the the actual like game or gameplay, really. They'll nitpick like, um, like you said, visuals like, oh, this guy looks weird when he walks or, uh, you know, oh, wow, you're this is another, you know, 8-bit pixel game, whatever. Yeah, I think maybe to get that to send the message is like have no art. Don't mm-hmm. have very little art. Have like finished art or no art. Cause like, right? Cause if they see it with no art, like boxes or whatever, they're gonna understand like, oh, it's a prototype. But if you do some art, then maybe it can be misleading. And like, this is your finished game, it looks terrible. And then Yeah, yeah definitely. But now oh. now I don't even like share with anybody. I just make I just make my stuff, then never finish it, but nobody knows, so I still look cool. <laughs> so what are you doing now for your planning? How are you tracking your projects, what you're doing, where they are, what you need to do? What are you doing right now for that? Um, I I keep uh, paper notebooks because I found that, you know, if I put stuff on the computer, I end up either, you know, like just changing so much of it that I kind of forget where I was and I end up doing stuff I already did. Or I just get distracted and like do other stuff. But I like having, you know, stuff on paper. And I do do those um, kind of like uh, inspiration lists. And I'll set um, checkpoints or like uh, milestones on what I want to do. So like um, for Crypts of Kazarak, that's just like my most recent finished game back in like 2012 or something. <laughs> um what I did with that one was, is that, oh, okay, I want to uh, make a FPS game with a procedural level generation. So first thing I did was um, figure out how to do an FPS um, perspective in Game Maker. And once I got that out of the way, then I worked on the um, level design. Well, not level design, level uh, generation. And then once I was satisfied with that, then I moved on to other systems and broke them down into different um, categories like, oh, okay, stats, oh, okay, enemies, okay, shooting. So let's but, just say, give us a give us a picture of like, you're sitting down to work every day, you open your notebook, mm-hmm. what's in there, what are you looking at, what's in your notebook to tell you what to do or whatever? Okay, one page is, uh, I usually do it as a one page is a system or rather a... Um, a goal, and then I'll have bolted lists of the goal. So for, um, let's say level generation, like, oh, okay, I want the walls to uh, to fill the level with walls. Okay, I did that. Okay, now I want to um, make masks that'll erase the walls. Okay, now I got those. Now I want them to um, 
uh, randomly, you know, shuffle up the um, masks so the uh, wall, different walls are replaced every time. Oh, okay, did that. Then I'll go on do other stuff. So do you cross them off? Like, how do, what does it look like? What are you doing? Okay, yeah, I cross them off. Not so much so, uh, like, I don't scribble them out. I want to be able to read them just so I know where, how things went. And then if I have to change it, then I'll have to, um, I'll usually put another page in there. Okay, so it's all in the notebook. So you just open the notebook, and then on that page, that's what you need to do that day. Yeah. So let's say, what if there's like multiple things you're working on at once? So let's say maybe the key is to not work on multiple things at once. But I'm saying like, (laughs) let's say you're gray boxing one level. So you're setting up the, you know, the basic level design for one level. Mm -hmm. And then there's like another level where you still need to write the dialogue or something for it. Like, how do you keep track of all the different things if you do? When I do that, I try to um, keep everything everything for a level on a page just because to me a level is like a good um start and end point because once i'm done with that level i don't have to worry about anything else on that level i can go on to the next thing or the next level but it does get uh, complicated because sometimes um some systems are just so integrated with the level with uh, multiple levels so it's like oh okay if i change this thing on this level then you know it opens this door on this other level so the um, paper notebooks are definitely not as um, they're not ideal, but they're what I use. And I've yeah, seen see, you. Uh, hmm? That's what I was getting at. Like if you have areas like in a level that you're going to come back to later, you know, once you get some item or something like that, then the nonlinearity of that, like how do you track all these different things in time? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it's not ideal, but it's what I've been using. But also, I haven't done any like you know super huge game projects. But that is something I do plan on moving into in the future. And I've seen you've uh, posted um multiple uh, resources for managing um those. Yeah, I was um uh, my friend Ash, who hopefully I have on the podcast too, told me about this program called Artisy, and it's made just for tracking game design projects. And uh-huh. when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, whatever. I can track my tasks in this other game. I can, in this other program, I can write my dialogue in this other program. I can draw maps in Photoshop. But what I didn't get until I got into like the thick of my game was like, no, you need all those things integrated. So like you can draw a map and you can drop a conversation on the map and then you can double click on the conversation and go into it. You know, you can have all your items as different things like objects and drop them into your map and then like double click on the object and it'll show you everywhere in the game where it's used. And that's what that artistry program allows you to do. It makes big projects easier. It doesn't solve all the problems, but it definitely helps put all this stuff together, you know? Yeah. Like um, you can make yeah, a door. Way better the- than, you know, my uh, weird, you know, Amish like game design documents. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it works until you hit a wall, you know? Mm-hmm with your project. So if it works on your, on your project, that's fine. I'm just like saying I hit, I hit these walls and then I was like, what do I do? And I tried to use like <laughs> five different programs. I tried to use Trello. I tried to use Scrivener. I tried to just draw them in Photoshop. I tried all these things, but it was the artisy program that really helped you put it all together. So if anyone's struggling with that stuff, I recommend that program. Oh, I should have been like the, 
what's his name Hideo Kojima where he just like builds levels out of Lego yeah that's in um, <laughs> I mean that's for the physical level design yeah but still how are you going to track then you'd have to make special Lego pieces that had like internet of things devices in them <laughs> to tie them to other you know right <laughs> Oh, I don't have the space to build my whole world in Lego or the Lego. Shit, Legos are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, that's why I really want to, like, discuss on these things. It's just the techniques, the approaches, the tools, like, you know, what people are using, how they're doing it. Um, because, yeah, we've both produced animation. And in the first episode, I was telling the guests that, like, making big games is a lot more difficult in my opinion than making full length movies because like the animation, that stuff is static. You know, you could do an hour of the movie and you can't ruin it with what you do in the 61st minute, but in a game you can break the whole game at any time. And there are also um, shortcuts you can take that you can't take in a video games. So like, you know, in a, in a movie or an animation, you can just like, make you know parts of the set that you're going to see but if you're going to do a game then you got to do like everything because the player is going to be looking at everything yeah and and like you mentioned earlier about testing and getting stuck in your level and breaking things like you know in a in a a movie or animation you know if you want like some background you can just put a 2d background you know Mm -hmm. no one's ever going to walk up there and look at it there are some equivalents in games um, but not so much, but yeah, you, you have to like, why in a film, you can just have a building you see from the front and it has no back, but in the game, like, Oh, it, it's just all about, you know, what, what the final render is in a movie. Everything can be broken and busted behind the scenes, but as long as it looks good enough in front of the, uh, the audience, you're good. But the, you know, it's like a show it's like a show for a car, you know, when they have the car right on, right there on the showroom and you can look at it and does it need to run or anything. But then when you actually, you know, get behind the wheel and go around, then you had better fucking work. Yeah. So I think you could like Coke and hookers a movie, but you couldn't Coke and hookers a game if you're doing it alone. <laughs> right. You could be on drugs with hookers and fake them, like just throw a yeah, movie together. But if you're game, doing it no alone. Way. No, no. No way. Because if so, you're, if you're, you know, already doing coke and hookers, I, am, I assume you have money, and at that point you can just like hire programmers and stuff. Yeah, I just meant on your like, you know, you can't fake it. Like, yeah. In the first episode, we were saying talking about art games and mm-hmm. how like you could have broken mechanics and your game could just totally be t- terrible, but you can just say it's art. You know. Well, it's like, like that Goat Simulator game that came out where everything was busted, but um, they said that you know that that's just how the game was supposed to be. It was a parody, right? Yeah, it was like a parody game. So parodies, art, but I don't think those are the games you're trying to make me neither. But if yeah. we did, then things would be a lot easier. That's what we were saying. Yeah, and then um, and then there's, you know, those whole Unity uh, asset flips where they just kind of get a bunch of, you know, pre-made assets and then just dump them together in a level and call it a game. And so they're yep. trying to, you know, coke, coke and hookers it, but... I guess, I guess no! You're, mm-hmm. That is the way to Coke and Hooker's games. Asset flips. Yeah. Buy an asset, just chain, put a menu on it, and then like build it and put it on Steam. Yeah, it's like that. Um, there's like this uh, pixel zombie survival game. I think it's called Unturned, and they made it 
they put the the whole project on Unity for everybody to, you know, so they could uh, alter it, mod it, do whatever they want with it. But what people did was they just um, didn't change anything and just put it on Steam. And there's like 12 different copies of the same game on there now. And it's just about who has the best marketing, right? Yeah. So making that games sounds like is something hard. somebody tried to do to you. <laughs> making games is hard. They will destroy you. Mm-hmm. How do we survive, Spookergeist, in this scary game design world? How do we survive? You just be a man, drink your coffee, and then get to work. Okay, well, what if you're not a man? I can't help you with that. I don't know, um, because I've seen a bunch of, you know, like, um, uh, wannabe game designers just kind of like disappear because you know either they couldn't handle it or it's like too stressful for them or they weren't getting you know any um attention yeah some people well, are just in it for attention i guess one of the other reasons i wanted to call this game dev grit too is because like you get your hands dirty like it's dirty you know fixing code and having all these build issues and this doesn't work and that's it's dirt it's dirty work Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to restart multiple times. Like it's not glamorous. Like hours and hours. How do I fix this? And everything just seems wrong. And you want to give up because now this one issue is breaking your whole game, and you have no idea why. And it's it's gritty. So mm-hmm. it's I have about- multiple games that are just unplayable, or they just completely broke because I changed like one thing. And I try to change it back, but it's still not fixed. And I'm like, I just gave up on it. Yeah, I don't know how much it was, was from proper or improper programming practices. Mm-hmm. But um, something that, that I found really helpful is this book called Clean Code. And it doesn't even have to do with program. Like, it's about programming any language, but it's just about approaching projects and how to create things that make sense for you, like, at any time in the future so it's like one of the main one of the chapters is just about naming things it's talking about naming variables but it's just like when you name things it should have what it does in the name like what it is and Mm -hmm. what it does in the name so when you read the name you know what it is and what it does and so you shouldn't have like things like you know asdf.py or something no or like cool ass method you know (laughs) like if you name them what they are and what they do, and it's, you know, the thing in clean code is like, even if it's a really long name, that's fine. A really long name that's descriptive is better than a short name that's not descriptive. So like in, a, you know, six months, if you go back in your code or whatever you're doing, you should be able to read it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the thing about programming, which really helps. And then also, this is just a programming thing it should be like a story from top down so you can see the order that things happen like get target then check if target is visible blah you know from top to bottom in your code yeah. but um that's just a programming thing but i think if you're doing a game by yourself and you're doing the art you're doing the level design the game design the programming like you need to know the proper protocols and workflows for all of those things and they're all different and difficult don't you think mm-hmm. oh yeah Definitely. That um, brings me to one more like roadblock that I, for some reason I didn't think of before. Um, especially for artists who think everything, you know, is like visual for them. But coding is just like almost like not visual like at all. At least that's how it seems from the start. 
because when you first get into it, it's just, you know, all like these words and like a, it literally is a different language. But like you said, once, if you name things right like that, then you can see how things, you know, fit into each other. Yeah. And it's just about like the, one of the coolest things in that clean code book was just like good programming is like a story. You should be able to read it. Like, yeah. I looked for the target. The targets were called this. I found the target. Then I checked the distance to the target. Then I, you know, like, and mm -hmm. yeah, then you can understand it. But, and um, I don't know if it was that book or there's a series of books. There's a couple called like Think Like a Programmer that I found where I'll post them in the show notes. They were really useful. And it was like, programming isn't math. Programming isn't like fancy syntax. Programming is just problem solving. That's all it is. So, it gets you to focus on like, what is the problem I'm trying to solve first? What are the pieces of that problem I need to solve? Solve the pieces in order to solve the problem, which just takes like anything you're trying to do in the game and gets you just like break it down, you know, for the problems to solve. Like, for example, I've been working on this ladder system. So like um, nav mesh agents, like, you know, little pathfinders. If there's no path, mm -hmm. like if the if their target is like way above them on a different nav mesh service, then they can spawn a ladder, which will like scale itself and connect the different nav mesh services. So then they can climb walls on their own without you having to do it. So it's just like, what am I trying to do? Okay, he's trying to. All right, so all right, let's find the point on his plane closest to where the target is. Okay, I got this point. So that's where I put the ladder. Okay. All right, how do I find the point on the plane of the target, the closest point? Okay, get that closest point. Okay, now measure the distance. And you know you just break things down into that, and that's how you do it. Yeah, it's, um, it's difficult, you know, starting out because you just see, like, everything, how, you, how, you know, everything's going to be laid out. But um, actually, you know, like, doing it, that's that's you know the the very first um wall you're gonna run into, and yeah, um, oh go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and like you need to know your tools, like what what you're capable of doing, right? So it's like if you want to have a gun shoot somebody, it's like, all right, I'm gonna shoot a bullet. Oh, what I can I can just fire a ray cast and not even have to shoot a bullet. Like oh, you know, like you have to learn the different <laughs> tools so you you know what you should be using when you're trying to do things. So like shoot a gun okay, what do I use, you know? And then once you know what's available, then you can pick, but... Uh, I, I was that idiot who, like, just spawned little tiny spheres that went forward at, like, 500 miles an hour in the game engine. <laughs> and they just went through walls, and it was, like, too fast for the collision detection. Super gun. Yeah, I did that, too. <laughs> I did that, too. And then I was like, oh, what? You can just fire a raycast and then just auto-damage if it's the thing you want? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you just have a muzzle flash effect and then a hit effect where it's supposed to hit. And then, like, yeah, we can't see bullets. So, but just for the sake, like missiles and stuff like that, you would still fire them. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't use a raycast. But, but yeah, yeah there's like, like a, when I first started in game design, I had no idea that was actually like how, how it worked. Just like how I didn't know, like, that was how uh, nav meshes were, how, uh, NPCs, you know, walked around. I just, I don't know how I thought it worked. I just I guess they thought that they walked around on their own, you know? 
yeah, I didn't know either. And then like nav meshes, now that I've learned more, it's just like, oh, it just creates a triangular mesh on the ground. And then it just gets the vertices of those triangles and does a calculation to find the shortest route to where yeah, it's I trying did, to go. I, I just remembered how uh, Half-Life did it, where they did the waypoints. Where there's, there's just these invisible points laid out around the map that the enemy would go to, and some of them would be labeled like, I don't know, like cover or something. And so, you know, yeah. if they're getting shot at, they go for cover. Yeah, that would be like a you would that would be a layer on top of your navigation system. So mm-hmm. then those would be like for patrols or certain events. So then if probably using a nav mesh system to figure out where it can walk on the ground to get to the waypoints. Yeah, and that's how it that's how it went. Yeah. So um yeah, like a basics thing. That's like I did this, I have my little strange school thing I do on the side. I have to update it, but I made this intro to game development where I was trying to like once I kind of understood some of these tools, I was trying to share them. Like, oh, this is a collider. This is how you define what's physical. Oh, I don't think I did an overlap sphere or box, but it's good to know, like, how things are done. So then you can try to, you know, problem solve and figure out how to do what you're trying to do. So um, any parting words, Spooktergeist, for the game developers out there? Any words of inspiration or doom you want to share before we go? You're going to fail a lot. You're going to have to restart projects a lot. Your first games are going to suck hard. But, you know, if you just keep going, you're going to be good eventually, hopefully. I won't I wouldn't bet on it, but I hope you do good. I think it's like if you work hard <laughs> and just do a thing enough times, you're going to get good. Like if you made 50 games, like, or you're at least going to get a lot better, like from if 1 you, to 50. If you put, yeah, if you make 50 games and you put effort into it and push yourself, then yeah, eventually you will get better. And you're honest with yourself mm-hmm. about your games and what you're doing and your mistakes and try to prove But, pre- but you know. if you just make like three games, then, you know, give up because nobody's playing them or you're not getting any feedback, then, you know, your journey ends there, game over. It's with anything you gotta love it, mm-hmm. you know. And you can tell when people make things they love and when they don't. So you, know? you just gotta be a masochist, really. Yeah, and tenacity. That's what I found from the world of animation and stuff I was doing. You gotta be tenacious. You can't give up. Like maybe you gotta quit, you know, one day because it's four in the morning and you try to solve this problem. But a saying I like it's like some days you're the fly, some days you're the windshield. Like yesterday, I wasted eight hours trying to solve this problem with this code. And then I realized like six months ago, I created this other code that solved all those problems that I already had sitting around that I just wasted. So I was like, oh, today I was a windshield, <laughs> you know, like. And another little saying I like is you got to deal with the shit if you want to be the shit. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Got to deal with the shit if you want to be the shit. Mm hmm. It's gritty, man. Look at me going back to the branding of our podcast we just created. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we call that. That's what's known as a callback. Yeah. Oh, are you a marketing branding? Uh, what are they called? Inspirer, motivator. What do they call those people on Instagram that get paid for just talking about stuff? Oh, um, f- what's the word? Insta? No, not instigators. Um. <laughs> uh. Um, oh man, I know this. 
Not motivators. Not motivators. Influencers. There we go. Influencers. Are you an influencer? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't have an Instagram. Hey, me neither. Um, I'm fat and I'm brown and a male, so nobody will like me. <laughs> so uh, thanks for being on, Spurgeist. I wish you the best of luck on your future video games. Looking forward to playing the ones that you posted. I'm posting the podcast. Get some feedback from people. And yeah, thanks again for being on. Oh, yeah, it's been good being on. I love being on stuff. All right. <laughs> and uh, let's tell Craig to say goodbye. <laughs>